Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Preview. I'm Jeff Harbin, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. With me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Anthony Davis. As we break down the Steelers' upcoming matchup today, we are talking about the Week 11 matchup between the Jacksonville Jaguars, the home team, and the visiting team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. This a general reminder, I've said it on the other shows previously, just for a gentle reminder, fans, it's not a primetime game. If you're looking at that Bud Light magnet on your refrigerator and you're seeing an 8.30 time slot that's not in that time slot anymore, folks, don't miss the game that's happening at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time and be really pissed off later. So just a general reminder, with that note, Brian, how are you doing this fine evening in the free state of Maryland? I tell you what, it is a cold state of Maryland with the snow that we have been getting here, and it has just been absolutely crazy. But I'm warming up thinking about Steelers-Jaguars this week, and to me, this is a division game, even though they aren't technically in the same division. Yeah, former AFC Central uh, rivalry here with the Jags and Steelers going head-to-head, but it's down in Florida. I'd rather be in Florida than shoveling six inches of slush and crap uh, on my front walk. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. I do think I, I do want to make sure I want to say this is last night. I had my show with Lance Williams. The standard is a standard. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out. I thought it was a really good episode. And we did talk about Le'Veon Bell. And I had a comment with a comment on our YouTube channel said, Oh my gosh, just talk about the freaking game. Look, we had to talk about Le'Veon Bell. That was news. Okay. This show, none of it. So if you're listening to this thinking, okay, I'm going to fast forward until they start talking about the game, you are going to hear nothing but Jaguar Steelers from start to finish. That's the preface. We're not talking about that guy. So there you have it, folks. I just wanted to make that loud and clear. Now, getting started on this matchup, the Steelers are 6-2-1 heading into this game with the, man, talk about two teams in two different places, Brian. I mean, you have the Steelers that are winning winners of five in a row and I want to say that the Jaguars have lost. Have they lost five in a row, Brian, or have they just lost four? I, I can't remember. They've lost a good bit in a row, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it is four, but they have been really struggling with that three and six record. Not good for them. They, they're coming off a loss to the Indianapolis Colts, 29 to 26, where I watched the fourth quarter of that game on last Sunday. And it just looked like neither team really wanted to win. It was not a pretty, not a very uh, great performance by either squad. Uh, I thought to get us kicked off today, uh, our, our pal Dave Schofield, who actually lives in our town where we live, uh, who's a contributor to BindingSteelCurtain.com, he does the stats articles for the website. And I, I got to be honest, I'm not sure how he finds these stats or how long he has to look through pro football reference or any other site, but he finds this, the crazy stuff. He was the one that came up with the stat before the Ravens game that the Steelers have never won an M&T bank when the Ravens had a losing record or at 500. Now that obviously changed as they won this, this year in M&T, but listen to these two statistics. Uh, for this upcoming game. And it's more so about the Steelers in general. So here we go. Um, the Steelers current, the Steelers currently have a five game road winning streak against AFC South opponents. And that streak started in 2014. Now, obviously they play in Jacksonville. So that's a good trend for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, if you want a bigger number, the Steelers are currently on a 13 game road unbeaten streak versus the AFC. 
Think about that. I'll say that again. The Steelers are currently on a 13-game road unbeaten streak versus the AFC. Their last loss was in Baltimore in 2016. Pretty impressive stuff. That's pretty impressive stuff there. So I just wanted to throw that out there, Brian. I don't know if you want to comment on those or, or what your thoughts are, but this game down in Jacksonville, although on paper it looks like one dominant team versus a lesser team, I don't view it that way. I feel these teams are very evenly matched. You know, Jeff, I do too. And, you know, I talked about this being a division game, but we had this conversation on text just about a week ago. Who would be the Steelers' biggest outside of the division? And we both came out with, came up with the Jacksonville Jaguars. These teams don't like each other. And um, based on Jalen Ramsey's comments um, in a magazine earlier in the preseason, they don't respect the Steelers. I have been to a game in Jacksonville. It's a great place to go. But when I went there, 75% you know, Steeler fans. However, the Jaguar fans were very vocal about their hatred for the Steelers. So this is something that it is a rivalry game. And it's even more of a rivalry game for the Steelers because of the two games last year that they lost at home. Very pitiful performances, both of them. And you know the other thing about it, is those games have really stuck in the craw of the Steelers, but this cannot be a revenge game. The Steelers can't look at it of trying to avenge those losses. They need to go into this game and go ahead and play their game. They have a great game plan right now. They have a great team concept. They are playing cohesively as one. They need to keep that going and not think of those two games last year remember them but don't think about them and just keep moving forward yeah i think if you want to use a different word other than revenge i would say a statement game and it's not so much a statement for the rest of the league kind of like thursday night was against the six and two panthers at the time but maybe just a statement to yourself that you know what the, the this team beat us bad and i know people all the time say well the playoff loss, they only lost by, you know, what was the final score, 45-42 or something like that. Um, yes. But that defensive performance by Pittsburgh was just god-awful. It was bad. Every way you look at it, it was embarrassing. The players were embarrassed. The fans were embarrassed. You name it, embarrassment was a thing. I think this is a statement game for the Steelers to say, you know what, last year was a fluke. We overlooked you twice. Not going to happen again. And I don't think a lot of people are talking trap game for the Steelers in this one, because you're coming off of very big wins over Baltimore and Baltimore, Carolina at home. And they're thinking, okay, maybe they slip up a little bit. I don't think this is a game that they slip up. If I'm Mike Tomlin, I put a cut up of those last, those two losses last year. And I run it for the team prior to the game and say, you remember what these guys did to us last year. Let's go, let's go in there. Let's take care of business. And let's, if, if there's any motivating factor for the Steelers right now, it's that if they win this game, it is almost like the final dagger in their playoff hopes. This is a team that was in the AFC Championship game last year. Everyone was talking about them, all the potential, Jalen Ramsey in that defense, Calais Campbell, um, you name it, to, to give them a loss on their home field and plummet their record even further down the AFC standings, that's the ultimate revenge. Revenge isn't going out and headhunting. Revenge isn't trying to hurt Leonard Fournette. Revenge is winning the game, like you said, Brian, in a fashion that is more Steeler-like and 
putting them out of their misery, so to speak, in terms of the playoffs. That's where you hurt the team the most. Um, so that's just my take on it. Um, now, Brian, let's take a look at where these teams stand in terms of the standings, um, where they fall into place in terms of yards per game, uh, defensively, offensively, um, you know, rushing, passing, points per game, all that stuff. It just gives us kind of the lay of the land to see where they might have their deficiencies and then um, we'll go ahead and talk about key matchups after that. So, Brian, whenever you're ready, go ahead and run off the ranking as we are week 11. Well, let's go ahead and look at the total offense for both teams. Jacksonville is ranked 17th with only 359.4 yards per game. The Steelers come in ranked 4th with 419.9 yards a game. That's a pretty big difference. If you look at the rushing game, for Jacksonville, which was a huge strength last year, 94.6 yards per game. So that is a fairly low ranking. If you go ahead and look at the Steelers, they have a low ranking too at 20 at 21 with 105.7 yards per game. So you can see where Pittsburgh has that advantage as well. However, when you look at that 94.6, you're gonna realize Leonard Fournette missed six games until he came back last week. Last week, he had good fantasy numbers, but you've got to remember, he only had 53 yards on 24 carries. And the big thing about that, he had those two touchdowns that really inflated those numbers, but they really shut him down to only 2.2 yards per carry last week. If Pittsburgh could do that, that's going to be a very big deal. And um, I'll get to Pittsburgh's rushing defense in a minute against a team Points per game, this is where it's really going to tell the story. Points per game, 17.8 on Jacksonville's side. If you could hold any team to 17.8, you're looking in really good shape. Pittsburgh, points per game, they rank fourth at 31, 31 points per game. So they have elevated that. This is the highest they've been um, since the first two weeks of the season. So they're really looking good there. I failed to mention passing yards per game. Jacksonville only has 264.9 passing yards a game with Blake Bortles in there. They also had Cody Kessler for a few games in there. Um, the Steelers, passing yards per game, rank third, 314.2. So that's a very good passing, passing attack in Pittsburgh, as we all know. Now, if we look at the defensive side of the ball, this is where Jacksonville is better. Their numbers aren't as great as they were last year, but total defense, 319.1 yards a game, Jacksonville's giving up, which means they are third. They're ranked third overall in the NFL. Pittsburgh, not as bad as they have been in previous years. This is a top 10 defense now. This is a defense that is ranked eighth with 336.1 yards per game. And you match that up with the fact that the Jacksonville offense is only uh, only making 359.4 yards a game. That's an even matchup as far as that goes. Rushing, we talked about, we've talked about how well the Steelers have rushed the ball in the last four or five weeks with James Conner's resurgence. They have given up. They're tied for 18th. They have given up 118.6 yards per game. Um, these numbers, the numbers on the offensive side of the ball for Pittsburgh that I, I wrote off 
before. They aren't the same because of the last six weeks where, like I just said, James has really been running the ball. They could really exploit there. Overall passing, this is interesting. They've only given up 200.6 yards per game against the pass. Ranked number one in the league. Pittsburgh, 19th, but only given up 245.3. So that's a lot closer. You can see how they're kind of lumped in there. Um, points per game, here's the big deal. It's really even. Jacksonville is ranked 22 point, excuse me, ranked 10th at 22.1 points per game. And remember, Pittsburgh scoring 31 points per game. Now, Pittsburgh has given up 23.2 yards per game, and they're ranked 13th. And remember, Jacksonville's offense only 17.8. So that's where the that's the tail of the tape. That's where the numbers lie, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. And so the one thing that you see in this matchup is that the defense is still for the Jacksonville Jaguars is still good. Uh, their record might not indicate it, but they, they still have a good defense. Um, they still get after the quarterback. Uh, and it's just one of those things that if, you, if you're going to look to a statistic that could possibly show why in the world they're not winning more games, look at the turnover or takeaway, giveaway, takeaway, turnover ratio, whatever you want to call it, that number. Jacksonville ranks 30th in minus 11. So in terms of how many they've given away, how many they've taken away, it's pretty remarkable. So takeaways, Jacksonville has eight takeaways but they've turned the ball over 19 times, and that's in the ver of, in the form of nine interceptions and 10 fumbles. So you're looking at those defensive statistics, and you're thinking, man, that's pretty crazy. But the defense itself is so good. So for me, well, we'll get into the key matchups. I think this is a good segue into the key matchups because I, I think we're going to really kind of uh, – I have someone on the live chat that says that I said evenly matched. I, I think it's going to make sense here in a second what I mean by that, because I think on paper you're looking you're like, oh my gosh, look at the Steelers offense. Look at the Jaguars offense. There is no comparison. And no, there technically isn't, but it's a little bit more even than fans might think. So Brian, um, last week was a great week. Uh, the Steelers dominated that game in that preview show. I punted the ball off to you to start the key matchups. I'm a superstitious guy. You go first again, and I will follow. Go ahead. What's your first key matchup for this game? All right. I'll take that opening kickoff, and now I'll just drive it down the field there, Jeff. <laughs> so, you know, my first, you know, this might be a layup, but, you know, this is, this is really important. Jalen Ramsey versus Antonio Brown. Now, a lot of people would think that Jalen Ramsey has his number, but think about this. Antonio Brown to the end zone. He is really making his hay, getting to the end zone, and all of us would rather have that than the yardage. Now, there's going to be a lot of mano a mano in this matchup because you're not going to be able to double team him like you have in the past because there's so many more weapons on that team. You've got to shadow James Conner coming out of the backfield. You have to take a look at Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a number one wide receiver on almost, I would say, three-fourths of the National Football League. He's a number one wide receiver. Um, so they really have to pay attention to them. They have to pay attention to the tight ends as well. And there's also the threat of that third receiver, James Washington, or Ryan Switzer. So there's so many weapons for Ben Roethlisberger to use. They've got to be shadowing all those guys. So Jalen and AB will be mano a mano. 
and it's a it's a really great chance for Antonio Brown to get past him and score. And not only that, but because of this matchup, because they're preoccupied with each other, that gives the other receivers a chance to. So I like this matchup. It is the one that all the uh, commentators are going to be talking about. These huge star at the position. Wide receiver, it's Antonio Brown. Still at corner, Jalen Ramsey, just as huge. So I love this matchup. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be first on most people's list when they talk about matchups in this game. I'm going to go a different way, and it's going to kind of help me explain myself when I say that these this was an evenly even matchup, and that is the fact that Leonard Fournette's back. Leonard Fournette has a different presence than any other running back on their roster, and Leonard Fournette tortured the Steelers twice last season. Now, I understand that the offensive line is beat up for the Jaguars. They're missing their center now for the rest of the year. That's big. But at the same time, the Steelers have to stop the run. If you watch the Jacksonville Jaguars anytime, and let's go back, let's revert back to the playoff game last year, everything was set up by the run. Leonard Fournette getting three, four yards of carries gave them very manageable down and distance for first downs. They essentially did to Pittsburgh what Pittsburgh did to the Baltimore Ravens two weeks ago, and that was just continuing these drives, long, time-consuming drives that were just milking the clock every single step of the way. If the Steelers can stop Fournette, and I'm going to throw a number out there and say keep him at 70 yards or fewer in this game, I don't think there's any chance that the Jaguars win unless the Steelers have a turnover fest like they did in Week 5 last year. Because if they can do that, if they can stop Leonard Fournette, they're forcing Blake Bortles to beat them. Not only that, if they stop Leonard Fournette, they don't have to pay attention as much to play action passes. That's also where this team beat the Steelers last year, was when they had the run going, play action pass, throwing the ball downfield. Bortles had plenty of time. I expect the Steelers to dial up a lot of blitzes, but a lot of run-stopping blitzes as well. But stopping Leonard Fournette, to me, is key number one. Brian, what's the, what are you going with number two? I love that key, by the way, because those wide receivers are not that impressive either. So that's the guy you do need to stop. I love it. I'm going to cross that off of my list, and I'm going to go to number three now. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Ben Roethlisberger versus the entire Jacksonville secondary. And the reason I'm going to go going to go with that is the fact that those five turnovers last year with Ben Roethlisberger in week five, he had a pick six in that game. He had another pick six in the playoffs against this team, even though um, some of those went to Telvin Smith. I mean, he but he was giving up those interceptions like crazy. I mean, he was just having a bad game. If Ben Roethlisberger does not give up a pick six, I think they win this game. I think if uh, Ben comes in um, and not gripping, which I think he is playing some of the best football in the last five years of his career, I think he's just really he's he's having a Pro Bowl year once again. And you know, in my mind, he's actually having an MVP type performance. You know, he's not going to be in consideration because you have the Mahomes factor, you have the Todd Gurley factor. But Ben Roethlisberger is having a fantastic year, and he is leading this team. If he could, uh, you know, get through the Jacksonville secondary and not give up those pick sixes. They're going to be just fine, and I'm telling you, I think they win that game on Ben Roethlisberger's arm. Even though this is the number one passing defense in the league, Ben could beat him. 
Yeah, and so I'm going to kind of, for my key matchup, I'm going to kind of compound on what you just said. It's going to involve Roethlisberger, but it's more going to be the Steelers' tight ends versus this Jaguars' defense. Um, this defense, and you, especially when you think about an offense like Pittsburgh, and I wrote an article for the website that ran his afternoon article uh, about Doug Marone's comments about trying to defend the Steelers' offense. And when you think about it, and this is kind of what he said, he said, you, you think about Antonio Brown and how dynamic and how good he is. You think about Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a budding star in the NFL. Then you think about that offensive line, which is just tremendous. Some might say, I would, the best in the league right now. And they've been together for so long. And it's a very cohesive group. Then you talk about James Conner, and you have Ben Roethlisberger slinging the rock. It's almost as if, my goodness, you you put so much emphasis on all of that and you forget about the fact that Jesse James and Vance McDonald can burn you. They, and, and you have to account for everyone all the time. And so that's why, I mean, that kind of sparked my interest. And so then I went back and I was looking at the stats and I remembered the game, obviously, from last year's playoff game. And Vance McDonald had over 100 yards receiving. Tremendous game. That was kind of the game when fans, it's like their eyes were really opened up to what McDonald can actually bring to the team, how dynamic he can be how physical he can be um, and you know, just how he's a good player when he's healthy. And so I think that for me, it's, it's Roethlisberger using the tight ends to really open things up. And if you look at last week, Eric Ebron of the Colts went ballistic in the, against the Jaguars defense. He had two touchdowns. I believe that he also had well over a hundred yards receiving. I could see, maybe not by one, but both Jesse James and Vance McDonald at the same time, really abusing this defense over the middle. That's going to be a key for me is can the Steelers utilize their tight ends to really exploit this Jaguars defense? So there you have my second key, Brian. What about your third? Let's just go offensive line versus offensive line. Let's talk about the sack factor. Now the Steelers, you know, they are one of the, sacking teams again they do get off after the quarterback jacksonville has given up 22 sacks kessler has been sacked four times this year but bortles has been sacked 18 times now that is almost double of how many times ben roethlisberger has been sacked ben's been sacked 12 times so with that being said and the reason i'm saying double is i'll even take one away because ben gave up his self on a sack to help save the game against Baltimore. He, I mean, he really shouldn't have been sacked there. He took the sack and we've talked about that. So this is a team that has only been sacked 12 times. You just talked Jeff about how this is for your money, the best offensive line in the league for my money too. Um, I would put them up against anybody. The Cowboys offensive line used to be great. They are struggling. They're not as good as what they are. I have not seen any uh, any uh, pro football focus rankings of offensive lines, and maybe Dave Schofield could help us out with that because I know how great he is with stat stats. I should ask him that, but I think this is the best offensive line in the league, and this is what is leading this team. We've given them valedictorian status. We've given them game balls, and everybody is noticing them. That sack game is going to be huge. And yeah. Pittsburgh needs it right now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The offensive line is going to step up big time to open up lanes for James Conner and keep Big Ben upright, something they've been doing all season, which has been tremendous. Uh, for my final key, 
I'm going to go to something that's very general, but it's also very important for this Steelers defense, and that is their tackling. Um, since week four, when the Steelers were 1-2-1, one, and one, the Steelers have been the best tackling defense in the NFL. Uh, they have the, or I guess I, that's what I would call it. They have the least amount of missed tackles in the league since week four. And oh, by the way, they've won every single one of those games. So you have a little bit of an extended break now for the Steelers defense. Mike Hilton, he's, you know, he had that elbow injury earlier. He should be healthy. We know Joe Hayden had that hamstring, should be good to go. Now, Stefan Tuitt, I haven't checked the injury report yet from today, but wasn't looking good for him with an elbow. Not sure if he'll play, but I'll tell you what, if this team can continue to tackle well, they're going to be a really tough defense to beat because if you tackle well and you don't give up the big play, two things the Steelers have done tremendously during this five-game winning streak, you're really putting pressure on the opposition to just take what the defense gives, and that's not always a lot. I, I hate to say it, but you said it earlier, Brian, this is a top-10 defense now. Maybe as a fan base, we should kind of get on board with that. You know, and instead of constant skepticism and criticism, maybe we should get on board and be like, man, maybe this defense is a top 10 defense. I don't think anyone in their right mind is going to say this is going to be the best defense in the land, but a top 10 unit, uh, yeah, sign me up. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season, hey, Jeff, your offense is going to average 31 points per game going into week 11, and your defense is going to be a top 10 unit, I'd say, where do I sign? Yep, dotted line, you got it. I would love that. I'd. Maybe, hey, I'm as guilty as anyone, and maybe it's because I do so many shows with Lance because he's very negative, but I tell you what, I mean, maybe it's time we kind of get on this hype train a little bit, don't you think, Brian? Yes, we do, and I'm going to go back to those stats. I'm not going to read the stats, but rankings once again. Total, eight. Rushing, four. 19 pass, 13 points per game. When your worst defensive ranking is 19th, that means that you are playing so much better as a co cohesive defensive team. I think one of the reasons, and I know he's only been back a couple of weeks, but you throw you throw Morgan Burnett in there with another coach on the field, like Joe Hayden. You have some veteran leadership, and you have two coaches on the field. And also, addition by subtraction, and I hate to pile on Artie Burns like I always do, but if he's not seeing the field right now, that is best for business for this team. So this is a better team because of those two reasons. The addition of uh, Morgan Burnett, the subtraction of Mr. Burns. No, you're right. And the thing about the Steelers' defense, too, is that not only are they tackling better, they just seem to be communicating better. Um, I, I think back to last year, where it, it's, it seriously looked like Players were just running around like chickens with their heads cut off before the snap, just pointing everywhere and motioning here and motioning there and this, that, and the other. Um, they just seem like they are on the same page, and it's really good to see them playing a physical brand of football again. Um, they're actually hitting, and that sounds stupid because it's a tackling tackle football, but I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but... I just feel like they're playing a much more physical brand of football, and it's good to see. It's good to watch. I enjoy it. Um, it it's being taken out of the game, but I, I'm glad to see the Steelers are, are, are ramping it up. So there you have our key matchups for the upcoming game. There's more, I'm sure there are. Uh, these are just the ones that we thought were in our top three. And you know what? It's going to be interesting to see how things play out. Now, this is where we go into our key player of the game. 
this is where we try to find one guy that if there's one guy that could really turn the tide one way or the other, that's who we're putting our money on. Brian, go ahead and go. Who's your key player for this Week 11 AFC matchup? You know, I talked about him before, Ben Roethlisberger, once again. He's the key to this game against Jacksonville. If his head is on right and he is throwing well, I don't care what they're ranked. Ben Roethlisberger is going to lead Pittsburgh to victory if he is right. Yeah, and that's yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. And that's pretty that's a pretty obvious one, and that's fine. It's obvious it's okay in that situation. I'm gonna go a little bit different route, and I'm gonna go on defense. I'm gonna say Cameron Hayward because you're going up against a backup center, and maybe I'll throw in Javon Hargrave. It depends on their gap assignments on any given sub package and situation. But I fully expect Hargrave and Hayward to really do some damage. From the interior, I'm talking blowing up rushing lanes. I'm talking about putting pressure up the middle on Bortles. I'm talking about if they're having to pass the ball, which I fully expect them to have to do to get into this game. I don't. I want them to basically establish residence in the backfield. That's what you have to do. And you know what? You're not going to apologize that their starting center hurt his knee last week. You're going to go out and dominate your matchup. You know what? And I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing people say that when they refer to Bud Dupree. Oh, well, you know, it was a, it was a backup tackle. But what is he supposed to do? Not sack the quarterback or uh, apologize to fans afterwards? Well, I'm sorry I couldn't do that against Joe Thomas. But what? No. You go out there. You win your matchup. You get the stats. You, you make the plays. That's, what's, that's what matters. So I'm going to say Hargrave and Hayward, more so Cam Hayward, because he's just so dominant when he's on. And you saw flashes of that Thursday night. Going up against a depleted offensive line, I expect him to have a very big game and wreck it, Ralph. The sequel's coming out soon. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> wreck it, Cam Hayward might be making a visit down to Jacksonville. So that's my player to watch. All right. So now let's go to um, let's go to our fantasy football before we get to our predictions. This is for people that play typically our daily fantasy leagues where you have the option of picking really anyone at your disposal. Um, when you have the, the traditional league, sometimes these players are not available. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're playing Fandle, Brian and I are in a league together. Um, this is a fun stuff. This is where you can pick, well, maybe I want Ben this week. Maybe I don't want him another week. So, Brian, who are you starting from the Steelers-Jags matchup Who's someone that you're saying, you know what, I'm definitely going to put this guy in my lineup? Well, you know, about 10 minutes ago, you were really stealing my thunder when you were talking about how great the tight ends are going to be. I'm starting Vance McDonald. I do start him a lot, but I think he's just building off of this defensive matchup is perfect for Vance McDonald. And I would go ahead and throw him in there. You're still getting him cheap enough. Vance McDonald's going to have a great game. He is one of the keys on offense, and I'm going to play him. You know what? I I've, I definitely thought about that because when I, when I was thinking about the tight ends and stuff like that, my only hesitation from a fantasy football standpoint is maybe Jesse James and Vance McDonald share those those touches, in which case it might hurt fantasy. Like For instance, Vance McDonald might end up with five receptions for 65 yards, but if Jesse James has four catches and two touchdowns, it's kind of one of those situations where if both tight ends are doing well. Um, but I agree, tight ends are going to be an area to watch. Um, if I'm going to say start them, 
I'm going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster on this one. Um, I Jalen Ramsey, look, I've said it before on this show, there's not many cornerbacks that can take Antonio Brown out of his game. And I'm not sure Jalen Ramsey is one of those guys. We saw Richard Sherman do it. Um, he was very physical with Antonio Brown, we'll say almost borderline illegal physical on Antonio Brown. And there have been some others. Jimmy Smith earlier in his career, um, Heck, William Jackson the third for Cincinnati has given Antonio Brown fits at times. But Jalen Ramsey's going to get his. And when I say he's going to get his, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get interceptions. He's going to get his in terms of winning that matchup. So for me, I'm looking at the other side of the field. And I think this is where Juju Smith-Schuster, he's going to get his. And by when I would say that, he's going to get his in terms of yardage and touchdowns. I think Juju Smith-Schuster gets hits Pater at least once in this game. I like Juju Smith-Schuster as my stardom pick this week. Who are you sitting, Brian, in terms of this week's game in Jacksonville? Now, tell you what, this is tough for me. My first inclination was going to be Leonard Fournette. But if I look at his stat line from last week, he's not going to put up the rushing yards. But if anybody's going to score touchdowns and, you know, Jacksonville will score touchdowns against Pittsburgh. It's going to be Leonard Fournette. So I could see him having two short yardage touchdowns, but, uh, and still having those fantasy points. So he's a guy you could still get on the cheap a little bit. So I'm not going to say to go ahead and like I was going to, um, my next inclination was going to be a cop out and say, Justin Hunter, because I don't even think he's going to dress. And I just wanted, to <laughs> I just wanted to do that to you. Um, you know, you just touched on AB, and I'm thinking that, uh, you know, this is going to be such a great matchup. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on what Juju is going to do. Um, I just don't think AB is going to get the yards that uh, he still could have a touchdown. I don't think he's going to get the yards. I think there's so many other weapons that you would probably have to go to if he's going to have a backseat of a game. It could be this week. We predicted last week, a huge game from him and he had a huge game, even though it wasn't a huge yardage game, but with the touchdowns, he was, he was fantastic. Um, this week, I'm probably not going to spend the money on him that I normally would. Okay. So yeah, there you go. And, um, so you, you said with Fournette, you would sit him, right? And no, I, I'm probably, if I could get him on the cheap, I'm probably going to start him just because I could see him having another stat line of 50 yards. He's not going to get the yardage, but he can still go ahead and get you two touchdowns because he's going to get those short yardage touchdowns. I think he gets in the end zone twice, but I still don't think he has an amazing game. But on a fantasy level, he's going to have a lot of points. Okay, I'm going to say sit Leonard Fournette. Because I don't think he gets in the end zone. I think the Steelers shut him down. I think he has less than 80 yards rushing. He might have some receiving yards. I don't even, well, shoot. I, this is a statement game, man. I just think the Steelers step up. Fournette could be a cheaper option at the running back position, but I don't play, I don't I don't start him at all. So there you have it. There's our start him and sit him segment for fantasy football. Take it or leave it. If Brian said it, you want to leave it. If I said it, you want to take it. So keep that in mind. Yeah, all right, um, cocky man. <laughs> let's go with more victories than I do. <laughs> what can I say? Uh so let's go with um prediction time. Prediction time here. Let's talk about Steelers Jaguars. How do you see it shaking out? And what's your final score, Brian? I got to tell you, Jeff, um, 
I'm going with the Steelers. I'm just going to be upfront about that. But this is a tough place to play. When Jacksonville is a five-win team, um, when they're a five and eleven team, it's still a tough place for Pittsburgh to play. I have, uh, like I said, I've been there. I've watched Pittsburgh barely win that game, seventeen to fourteen, or something like that. I think Pittsburgh's going to put up a little more points on them. They proved that they can put up points. Um, so I'm actually going to go higher than you would probably usually expect, but I'm going to say twenty-seven to 23 Pittsburgh in this game. What was your score again? 27-23. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, yours is a little bit closer than mine. For me, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers go down and look, anymore with this offense against any defense, which they did it against the number one defense in the Ravens a few weeks ago, if the defense, if the Steelers defense can keep their offense off of 20, it's a win. I think they do it again this week. I said it last night. I'll say it again. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers go up. It's going to be close in the first half. I think they come out in the second half, make some adjustments, get a lead. They might have a garbage time touchdown. I say 31-20. Pittsburgh Steelers win 31-20. to You can take that to the bank. And the Steelers would win. Man, they'd have six in a row. Extending their lead. Let's, but, you know, in the AFC North, still there, there's a cushion. But it could be larger, and a lot of that's going to loom. Let's talk about some other AFC North matchups quickly. We have the Cleveland Browns are on a bye, and so the only other game this week is an AFC North matchup. The Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore. The Bengals are a mess. They just got their doors blown off by the Saints. They fired their defensive coordinator. Marvin Lewis has taken over the defensive coordinator assignment. The, the Ravens don't have a quarterback. Flacco hasn't practiced because of a hip injury. Um, Lamar Jackson is sick. We could have Robert Griffin III against Andy Dalton. Oh, my gosh. What a puke fest that is. That's that's awful. That is awful. But still, we have to pick a winner. Who do you think wins that? Where is that game? In Baltimore or is it in Cincinnati? Do you know, Brian? It is in Baltimore, I believe, because the first game was uh, – yeah. It is definitely in Baltimore because the, the week two was in Cincinnati. I remember Cincinnati – wearing their uh their home black uniforms um you know real quick i i hate to go into the gutter on this but my favorite my favorite uh, terrible nickname for uh, rg3 since you just mentioned him is robert sniffing the turd <laughs> so i had to do it i'm sorry you can talk to me about that later but uh if he's playing gosh this is this is a sad sack game possibly um I'm still going to go with Baltimore. I, I have a feeling Lamar Jackson's going to play, and I have a feeling that uh, Lamar Jackson does some rookie sensation stuff in this game. So let's go with uh, let's go with the home team here. I honestly am going to say that I, I agree with you. I think Lamar Jackson's going to play, but my goodness, I think that could we be seeing the beginning of the Lamar Jackson era in Baltimore? Because let's be honest, a lot of people in in this area, and Brian and I live in Maryland, so we hear more of this crap and garbage than we have to, than we want to. And a lot of people have said that Harbaugh's probably gone at the end of the year, and a lot of people are saying Flacco's gone too. He and his inflated contract. And so, at at what point do you just say, "Let's see what we have"? I think Lamar Jackson does play. I don't think Joe Flacco plays. 
I think that I'm not joking. I think Lamar Jackson makes some of those crazy plays with his legs throwing the football, looking like a Heisman Trophy winner he was at Louisville. I think the Ravens win. Um, and that probably works out well for Pittsburgh, considering the fact that a win over the Bengals would push the Bengals further down in the standings, especially if the Steelers win. And it would just be one step closer to something I've said all season, and that is that the Week 17 game against the Bengals would be absolutely meaningless. That is what I'm hoping. So now, what's interesting to me, and I didn't even think about this until I looked at our live chat here, I totally forgot that Landry Jones is a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> I have too. How awesome would that be? How crazy would it be if, let's say, TJ Watt gets a, or even Bud Dupree gets a blindside hit on Blake Bortles, and here he comes, bring in the arm, go into the bullpen, number three comes trotting, trotting out of the field. Landry Jones would enter the game. Holy cow. I would stand up and clap. I would. Do you know what I would? Do? I wouldn't stand up and clap. I would just be thinking to myself. I swear, if they let this guy do anything positive, I might flip out. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would do the opposite. I would actually stand up and go, "You got us. <laughs> you got us." <laughs> oh, I mean, he's awful. Landry again. I know, and he's he's awful. He's a very bad quarterback. And if he were to like somehow. I don't know, move the team down the field. That would just be so utterly embarrassing. I would be embarrassed. I'm not even playing, but still there you have it. So could be an interesting weekend for the AFC North could be a very interesting weekend in the AFC. Um, maybe one day we'll have a show that talks about more about the NFL as a whole, but as of right now, we're just going to focus on that. Now let's get to some questions that we have on our live chat here on YouTube. If you have questions, if you're watching live, Go ahead and fire away, and uh, we'll definitely get to as many as we can. Um, so here we go from Rudy. He says, do you think that Mike Hilton should be a team MVP as well as a possible Pro Bowl selection? You know, I think uh, I think he should be in consideration for team MVP. I think team MVP is already decided. I think it's James Conner. That's uh, – I know uh, we're not mentioning he who shall not be named, but it's this team has banded together to support James Conner. I think his name's already on everybody's ballot, but Mike Hilton has had a fantastic year. I think when I'm looking at defensive MVP, I'm still on that Joe Hayden bandwagon, but Mike Hilton has done so much. I could see him possibly in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, for me... When, and this is something, this goes back to when I was a coach. When I gave out my MVP award, I really focused on what those letters stand for the most valuable player on the team. The player that, if you were to take him off, the team would not have the same amount of success. And so, for that, <clears throat> I find it really difficult to say that Mike Hilton would be an MVP candidate, even for the Steelers. He's valuable, super valuable a huge part of the defense and so is Joe Hayden, but I still struggle to think that he's more valuable than a James Conner or a Ben Roethlisberger at this stage of the game. And it could change if Mike Hilton goes on a streak. I'll never forget the Texans game last Christmas where he had, I think three sacks in a game. From oh, yeah, back game. Well, yeah, I mean, he puts together some of those and has a, a couple pick sixes, put some points on the board. Then <clears throat> hey, at that point, maybe you have a discussion, but for me, I do think, he is playing at a Pro Bowl level. He is starting to see 
you can always tell how a player is doing when the announcers start to talk about them more and more. Um, because a lot of these talking heads, they just read what is written for them. And so if they're getting notes that are like Mike Hilton's notes, Mike Hilton's stats, Mike Hilton this, Mike Hilton that, they are seeing that name and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I got to keep an eye on this guy. You're hearing his name more and more throughout broadcast. So I think Pro Bowl is definitely a possibility. MVP, as of right now, I still don't think he would get that. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Gray says, do you think the Steelers should lighten the load for James Conner this week? I'm assuming he's referring to him coming out of the concussion protocol, uh, which probably technically still hasn't happened yet. It's expected to happen. But let's just say this week and moving forward, he's had a lot of touches so far this year. You know, I think uh, if they have a big enough lead, you're going to see more of uh, Stephen Ridley, more of uh, Jalen Samuels. So I really think they should lighten the load a little bit, but you can't do it too much and have that drop off in a close game against a good defense. I'd like to further this a little bit more. I still think at this point, now that uh, the deadline has passed, I think they need to look at the possibility of bringing in a CJ Anderson. And as crazy as this might sound, maybe find out even though he's retired, if DeMarco Murray has anything left. I mean, I would look at guys like that. They have room to bring those guys in. That's that could be a possibility as well. I mean, do you, well, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. I, I know it's out there, but I guess you have to ask yourself, is CJ Anderson any different than Steven Ridley at this stage of his career? Yes. You think he is? I still think he is. Yeah. I don't think he is because I honestly think that he's basically the same player. And so for me, I would say, let's just keep Steven Ridley. He knows the system. Um, I think that he's at least good enough that he can, he can run and catch the ball. I don't, you know, it's 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 one of those situations. I, I see your point. I'm not saying I'm kicking the tires on Demarco Murray, but at the uh, maybe I don't know. I don't think there's for me. I don't think there's anyone on the street right now at any position that's going to help this team win. Unless it's, it's a long shot. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a long shot. But I I would consider it. Yeah. Okay. So I think that you know, should they lighten the load? Probably. Will they? Hell no, they won't. Why? Because Mike Tomlin runs the hell out of his running backs. He has since he got to Pittsburgh when he he ran the wheels off of Willie Parker, and he's, he did it with Le'Veon Bell throughout his entire career in Pittsburgh. He gave him a ton of touches. These guys are built for it. They're, and James Conner said himself to uh, the Steelers.com, he feels good. Feels good. He said he feels like himself again. He was dizzy. That was the biggest symptom he had of his concussion he said he feels good now so hopefully that rings true all right here we go um thomas asked should the steelers focus on running the ball or mix in passes turnovers or backbreakers last year against the jags in other words what should be their offensive approach to this game to quote mike tomlin we will not live in our fears Lock. just play your game do what you've been doing um sure there's been turnovers. I just think there's a different philosophy. There's a different mojo. There's a different offensive coordinator. I want them to keep up what they've been doing. Sure, mix it up. But, you know, really, the goal is to be 60-40. If you can go ahead and have James Conner running the ball successfully at 60% and mix it up with 40% of the pass, kind of seems like what they've been doing when they've been successful. <laughs> You know, I could see that happening. But the way they came out and passed against Carolina, 
that was pretty good too. So, you know what? I mean, you want to have that ball control game. You want to set up the pass with a run against this defense. You're probably going to have to do more of that. It's going to open things up, but I don't think you need to live in your fears. I think that this is a game where if I'm the Steelers, if I'm Randy Featner, I'm looking at this matchup and I'm saying, okay, if I'm putting together a script for the first quarter, a game plan for the first quarter and saying, how am I anticipating them to play coming out of the gate? And I, I would anticipate them to put eight men in the box early and often to stop James Conner. And so with that, I'm planning on play action passes early. I'm looking for the short intermediate passing game and especially not so much the RPOs, but having basic packages, basic formations put in place that give Ben Roethlisberger options on every single play. And doing that, you I would also think about going no huddle. Jacksonville's home crowd is not going to be one that is going to be loud and rowdy. Heck, they put tarps over the upper deck because they can't fill them. So I would think about the no huddle. I would think about running. My favorite formation of all time is the bunch formation. And I always think back to when it was Heath Miller and you had like maybe Nate Washington, but you also had Heinz Ward in there on that bunch right off the edge. And they could do so many things. And Santonio Holmes was out wide. You could do so many things because you had blockers and Heath and Heinz that could really lay the wood for the running back and open up holes. Yet if you wanted to throw it, you had the flexibility to do that with plenty of pass catchers still on the field. I'd love to see them do more of that with Juju, Vance McDonald, um, with AB out wide. They really can maximize their potential that way. So I think this is a game where they look to throw to open up the run. I've been wrong before, but at the same time, you have to play the odds, and I think they're going to try to take out James Conner. That's what they do well, stop the run. So you have to combat that with opening up the run with the pass, softening that defense, getting them out of the box. But that's just my personal opinion. So um, let's see here. Can Jalen Samuels, the rookie running back from North Carolina State, be used more in the passing game, get him in the backfield with Connor? What do you think about that? You know, I mean, that would be that would be ideal if you could get that going. But I think right now they have they have James Conner on the field for one, two, and three. This isn't this isn't like the the early two thousands when you had Willie Parker or Jerome Bettis coming in there, and then you had a third down back in Veron Haynes that you know if it was third down you brought him in. They're not bringing in a third down back right now. Um, Rosie Nix is just as important back at fullback than having two two uh, pass catching backs or two traditional running backs in the backfield. I know this is not really a traditional running back. He was the uh, Swiss Army knife they talked about coming in. Um, I I could see Samuels working his way in more, but that touchdown I kind of call it a uh, a garbage time touchdown last week that Samuels got, um, and Connor was out of the game anyways because of the concussion. Um, they're going to try to get more use out of, out of him, but right now, like you just mentioned, they're going to r- ride James Connor. Yeah, I think the Steelers are still searching for their number three wide receiver, whomever that may be, whether it's James Washington, whether it's Ryan Switzer, or whether it's someone like Jalen Samuels who could technically run the slot. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that 
situation. So there you have it, Brian. I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be one of those games that, shoot, this might be a contest where we're all surprised by how it's played, by how it turns out. This is, I view this game for the Jaguars as this is kind of their season. And so I think that every Steeler fan should fully expect to get the best Jacksonville team that they have available to them in week 11. And it's not going to be easy going on the road. The Steelers are going to have all road games for the remainder of the month of November. And so it's going to be one of those situations where if they can get this win, boost their record to seven, two and one really helping their chances in the AFC as well as the AFC North division, it would be great. So Brian, do you have anything final to say to the listeners out there before we call it a show? Right now, you are looking at the number two seed in the AFC. They are looking at the bigger picture. You just mentioned that this is a big game for Jacksonville. Well, anybody that Pittsburgh's going to play right now at this point, this point going forward, it's going to be a big game for all of them because you're looking at the number two seed. They could possibly be the number one seed with luck when you have a team the city playing a juggernaut like the Los Angeles Rams. Um, even though that wouldn't happen this week, it would get them within a half a game. So with some luck, with teams like if Pittsburgh keeps on a roll, they could be a number one seed. So they are going to have a target on their back. Everybody's going to be looking at them. But this is the team. This is the year. This is the window. Right now, they are playing the most cohesive they have played in the last five years. I think even when they made the AFC Championship game a couple years ago i think this is just a a put together unit and i really like what what we see at the beginning of the year when they were having struggles i said to you jeff i said just like my wife has said to me at times and i've said to my kids i love you but i don't like you right now i love this team and i love them even more right now i like them so i mean i love what's what's put together and i think a lot of the they they um, went through. I think it's over. I think they are. They had that kumbaya moment. They are really together. So I'm loving this. Absolutely, I agree with you 100. percent It's been fun to watch. Um, and you know, Steeler fans are, are are back in. You know, we uh, here at SB Nation. We do a a fan pulse. It's a real quick survey every week for some diehard fans that want to give their input on the Steelers and they do a confidence ranking. And I'll tell you what, at one point in the year when they were one, two and one, it was plummeted after that week four loss to the Baltimore Ravens. And was slowly but surely with each win, Atlanta, Baltimore, Cleveland, all these teams, here we go. And it's almost back up to where it was leading into week one. So the confidence is back. The swagger is back. Let's hope they can turn that into another win on Sunday. So now is when I tell you that if you haven't found us on YouTube, please do so. Go to the YouTube.com and search BTSC Steelers Radio. If you haven't found us on our podcast platforms, you can find us in a multitude of places. That's Art19, Stitch, Google Play, uh, Spotify, and always on iTunes. If you just search Steelers, typically we're one of the first shows that pop up and make sure you check out behind the steel curtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. You'll see me and Lance Williams after the game on our Steelers post game show for Brian. I'm Jeff. We'll see you next week on another Steelers preview. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB nation. And I want to tell you about my new show. It seems smart. It seems smart is a show about people doing things that for some reason or another, 
seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>